Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening, come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. All right, so today is week 12 of our series through Romans. Uh, So we will uh, go ahead and get started. If you want to open your Bibles up to Romans 3, uh, we'll talk a little bit today about um, what we're going to do and how that's going to work and a couple of different things. Um, Before I read this week's text, I want to talk about why I'm not going to start at Romans 1-1 today. Uh, and why I'm doing it today as opposed to last week. But when I was reading last week's text from Romans 1-1 all the way through the end of chapter 3, you heard and probably felt a big transition in verse 21 of chapter 3. And it was this but now. Um, You heard it in my voice and you probably felt it yourself because Paul is turning a corner and we're coming out of the condemnation wrath of God towards here's what a solution would look like. and I, I've mentioned several times that I'm not going to be able to start at Romans 1-1, even though I would love to, and read the text all the way up to that text for the week, just for a sense of time. Uh, it takes about 45 minutes to read all of Romans, so it's a, it's a big chunk. Uh, but what we were doing last week is we were moving from one major section of Romans into the next. So since we did that, and I wanted, to, I wanted you to feel it before I talked about it, we're going to step back a little bit and take a look at what a, uh, a Bible study tool that... Um, you are all intimately familiar with, because we use them all the time around here, um, that could help us understand larger portions of text. Now, when you get a larger letter like Romans, uh, Paul goes on these very, sometimes academic, um, what seem like rabbit trails, and they're really not. They're examples. And today is actually an example. Next week is an example of a point that Paul made philosophically last week. So we'll do these parentheticals and then kind of dive off in. But what can happen is you can lose where you are in the bigger picture. So there's a couple of Bible study tools that can help us with this. Uh, And one of them is an outline. Now, there's gobs and gobs and gobs of outlines in the world. Um, And every, almost every uh, commentary that you read or resource that you read will have some version of how you slice and dice a particular book of the Bible. Um, And what many of you have noticed that are reading along in a resource that I gave you is that your slice of a particular piece of text does not exactly line up with the slice that we are looking at in Sunday school for that week. And the reason is people have different outlines. So you might read through the book of Romans and say, well, I think these verses go together and these verses go together. And I would say, awesome. I like that you're reading through the book of Romans and thinking about it. This is good. Uh, And somebody else might say, well, I think these verses and these verses go together. And I would say that's, in general, very, very good. Uh, You can have multiple outlines. You can have multiple outlines for the exact same book to bring out and emphasize different pieces. But I want to walk you through the ESV's outline. We're using the ESV as our text for the study in Romans. So I want to show you what they think. 
uh, is a good way to divide up Romans. Uh, so the first 17 verses, so the gospel is revelation of God's righteousness. Uh, and if you look all through the eight points, what's the one word that shows up in all of them? Righteousness shows up in every single one of them, right? Because this is a major theme of the book of Romans. So the gospel is the revelation of God's righteousness. And then you move into this longer section, 118 through 320, where God's righteousness and his wrath against sinners. So this is what we felt, this pounding, this pounding, this pounding of like somebody just like let up for just a second so that we can breathe. And then in verse 21 of chapter 3, we got the but now. We start to turn the corner that Jesus is the hope and there's, there's salvation that is available. Uh, chapter 4 is all about an example of this in the Old Testament, a couple of examples in the Old Testament. And then chapters 5 through 8 really talk about this hope that exists uh, going forward. Uh, chapters 9 through 11 can be extremely confusing if you just start in Romans 1.1 and read all the way through Romans because it feels like Paul is saying, well, like I'm going to leave everything behind what I was just talking about. I'm going to talk about something completely different. And he's not. He's actually giving us an example. So all of chapter 4 is an example. Basically all of chapters 9, 10, and 11 are an example. And then he moves into what you will hear the majority of sermons about in Romans. Either chapter 3, you are guilty, or chapters 12 through 15, what does this look like fleshed out? When we live this type of a life, what does it actually look like? What, is, what does righteousness look like in everyday life? Uh, then you get, and everybody gets really creative with like point number seven, because this is literally where Paul is going to go next. It's who he's saying hello to. It's the shout outs. It's the hellos. It's the, you know, how do you fit this in? And this is the extension of God's righteousness through Paul's mission. This is Shriner stretching a bit to fit the word righteousness into this section is what this is. So this is, this is a intellectual theological equivalent of Gary spelling a word wrong to alliterate his outline. So this is what we're going for. Uh, and then there's a couple verses at the very end. There's kind of this final summary. So if you think about the whole book, so where are we? There was an introduction, God's wrath, there's saving righteousness, there's hope, there's righteousness to the Israel, there's righteousness in everyday life, there's Paul's closing, and then this final summary. So I'm a big fan of making things very, very simple. All right, this is my condensed Romans outline. This is how I think about it when I'm reading through Romans. So righteousness is introduced. There's righteous wrath of God. There's saving righteousness. There's righteous freedom. There's righteousness to the Jews. There's righteous living, Paul's closing, and then righteousness summarized. So this is me, how I think about moving through Romans. And as we dig deeper into the individual pieces, it is good to step back sometimes and recognize where are we and where have we been? So I'm not going to go through this every single week, but I did want us to be aware of two things. One, outlines exist for helps and they don't have to be identical. It is completely okay. It is, I don't want to say it's difficult to be a heretic with your outline because you can, but you really have to struggle to be a heretic with your outline. So I would encourage you, and this takes a long time. This is not something you'll just drop into and is really simple. Uh, but I would encourage you to engage with the text and come up with your own outline. How would you describe in a few words these larger sections? But now, when we shift into these different sections and you think, wait, it feels like he's talking about something bigger now. Yes, that's exactly right. We have shifted gears into a different spot and we are moving through a different piece of Romans. So this is kind of the big picture. And I... I don't necessarily like to talk about outlines at the very beginning of a series because it can, 
It can push you into thinking this is the only thing that is covered in these particular texts. It can kind of influence you very heavily as, well, the only thing that's talked about in 321 to 425 is saving righteousness. No, there's, there's several other really cool things in there. But that's kind of the bigger theme. So be careful about them, but at the same time, they are helpful tools. So let's start with uh, 321, uh, and then we'll read through the end of today's text, 412. But now... The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. What shall we say then was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from the works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How was it then counted to him? Was it before or after he'd been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So that is today's text. So let's uh, grab your handout if you've got your handout there and we will start jumping in. So are there any literary or structural observations today? So I I gave you a couple already. Uh, One is that we are Today's uh, evidence that Paul is putting forward. So Paul, has, he's a lawyer, remember. He's made his case in Romans chapter 3 that man is guilty. And then at the end of chapter 3, he talks about faith, righteousness, and the connectedness of these two things. And then it's not by works, but it's but by faith. We are saved by faith. Are we saved by works? No. What do works do? 
they evidence it, right? That, that's, the, that's additional evidence, but that's, that's a next step. It's not a previous step, it's a next step. And we'll talk about how order matters here in a little bit. So Romans 4 is actually not the longest example of an example in Romans, but it's, it's a long example. And next week's text, the rest of Romans 4, is also going to be about Abraham. And it's, it's more of the, um, if you had to title next week's text, it's probably Who's Your Daddy? Um, but it's probably a good title for it. Uh, but if you physically look at the text itself in Romans 4, 1 through 12, do you notice anything different about any parts of the text? Like just physically look at the words. Is anything different to you in the way it's laid out on the page? He's quoting again. Yes, he, he will not stop this. He will, he will continue to do this. Uh, so I'm glad you said that. This is actually not stringing pearls. Uh, stringing pearls is when we put one verse and another verse and another verse and another verse and another verse. And another. This is, uh, he actually pulls from, anybody know where the first uh, quote is? Where's the first quote? First, I, heard, I heard an incorrect answer. I think I might have heard the correct answer somewhere. Incorrect is verse 7. Yes, verse 3 is the first one. And where does that come at? What's that from? You probably have a note somewhere. Genesis 15, yes, Genesis 15. So, so let's uh, flip back to Genesis 15 in your Bibles for just a second because this is going to be important that we lay out a timeline um, because this is literally what Paul is arguing here is where does faith fit? Where does circumcision fit? How does all this work together? Um, so what chapter does Abraham show up in in the Bible? You may know. It's a couple chapters before 15, but not too far. 12, okay. Is that a guess or is that a, like it's open book? That's when he was called. It's 12, okay, great. So he's called in 12. And then you have the story of Lot that's thrown in there. And then in chapter 15, what happens in chapter 15? There's a covenant made, right. And, and where is this particular quote in Romans 4, 3? What verse is this in? It's in uh, Genesis 15, 6, right? So can you read Genesis 15, 6 for me? Who believed the Lord? Abraham. Yeah, it's like the only guy we've been talking about so far, right? Okay, good. All right. And he believed the Lord, and he counted, to, counted it to him as righteousness. Awesome. So your version says counted. What, is, what else do you have? Credited. credited. That's a good word. Anybody else? We have counted. We have credited. Accounted. Accounted. Yep. So we kind of get a feeling that this is a math term. It's a math term. Yes. This might be my favorite text of the whole uh, series in Romans. So I'm just saying, just get ready for it. Uh, but I did wear my UFC shirt, so we're, we're going to get there a little bit later. So Genesis 15, if God gives an account of Abraham, we say God is giving him credit for righteousness because of his what? Faith. Faith. All right, where does circumcision show up? Later. Yeah, you got to flip a page or two. So go two more chapters, and go to chapter 17, and what's your heading for chapter 17? What's it say? Ouch. Ouch, yeah. <laughs> it's probably it's both, both woefully appropriate and inappropriate at the same time. Yes, um, it's brilliant. Yeah, so, so circumcision shows up in chapter 17. So just from a linear timeline, he has faith, he's credited righteousness, and then we skip, like, does anybody know how many years it is? more than a dozen years and then he is circumcised and you go well well how can this thing that happened 14 years later impact righteousness it doesn't 
It doesn't. This is the outward demonstration of something that happened earlier. So is there anything, this is T-ball now, okay? Is there anything in the New Testament that is the outward demonstration of our faith of something that happens earlier? Baptism, right. Circumcision is foreshadowing to baptism of the outward demonstration of a faith. There's very connected type topics as you go through the New Testament and see it in the Old Testament. All right, so I wanted to make sure we saw that the timeline is true, um, that we are there. All right, so let's look at the words. What do the words mean? Love the words. I hope you love the words. This is what God chose to give us. So uh, fall in love with what he gives because it is good. Uh, All right, so verse 1 there. What then shall we say? So this is a future tense. What shall we say in the future? Uh, Was gained by Abraham. His name means father of a multitude. What's the next word? Our. So who's Paul writing to? People in Romans that are both Jews and Gentiles. And he, he's still kind of in the mode, um, I may be sort of am talking to the Jews still here a little bit. But he's going he's gonna to put his arm around the Gentiles and say, you boys and girls are in too. So our forefather according to the flesh. So for if Abraham was justified, so this is this word, the word that we've seen over and over again, that rendered just or rendered innocent. If he was justified by works, by what he was doing, he has right now something to boast or glory or rejoice about. Now, think about this for a second. Are you going to stand before God and boast in glory in what you did? This is a resounding no. <laughs> like, Solid no. This is fall on your face, shut up, and behold the glory of God. <laughs> right? If we get to stand in front of God, that will be a, an amazing thing. Um, so if he does this by works, he has something to boast about. And I love this little phrase. And I can almost hear, I can almost hear Paul's finger wagging here, but, but not before God. Not before God. We're not doing that. So verse 3. For what does the scripture or the document say? Well, it says Abraham believed. And this is just... This is the word for belief. The, he had faith. It was credited. Uh, he put his trust in God, and it was counted. All right, so you see the, the word in Greek there, uh, legizome. <clears throat> That's how you pronounce it, legizome. This is a really important word, and it's going to show up a lot of times in this text. And I'm going to ask you at the end how many times it shows up, so you might want to keep track. So here's the definition. Taken inventory, estimated, concluded, esteemed, imputed. Some of your older translations might use the word imputed, I-M-P-U-T-E-D, which means to put into, uh, numbered, reasoned, or reckoned, R-E-C-K-O-N-E-D, reckoned, another good old word. So it was imputed or reckoned. And the idea behind this word is that um, I look at something and I'm giving you credit for that. And here it's a very specific type of credit. The credit here is what? Giving you credit as righteousness. So I'm looking at your faith and I'm giving you credit for righteousness, which is good. Because if we're going to stand before God, we better have a very large account of righteousness. Right? Um, My wife and I are building a home right now and we're supposed to close toward the end of this month. Uh, And the bank that we are getting uh, the new mortgage through really has been stressing that they want copies of my bank statement. Mortgage company wants to make sure that I didn't just print these up and insert a number and, yeah, he's got plenty of money. He can afford this. And how does that money get there in my account? 
Let's think about this for a second. So how does the money that's in my bank account get in my account? I did something and made a what? Deposit. Yes, I made a deposit. Uh, More than one deposit, in fact. Lots of regular deposits because this is what we get from working. Now, this same concept is here. Except Paul is saying there wasn't work involved. Okay, so we get the concept, but we don't necessarily understand how like the number showed up. Because if you went to your bank and asked for a statement, and they printed off a statement, and there was an extra comma, an extra comma in your account, some of you are going, ooh. Yes, all right, so your first thought betrays your heart. So that was my stern warning. Uh, your second thought is a lot of fun, though. <laughs> okay, so like, what, what would you do? You got an extra comma in there. Rejoice. <laughs> so, I love the pairing here, right? So I have rejoice and something's wrong, right? Okay. Uh, something would be wrong, right? And, and this sometimes is how we look at what God does with salvation. We look at what we get for faith and we say, something's wrong with that. I certain, Certainly, I have to work a little bit for that, Right? It's got to be, I mean, I at least got to show up once in a while to Sunday school or at least got to go to church. I got to give, when the plate passes, I got to put something in there, right? I got to be, I got to be nice to the neighbor once in a while. No, <laughs> it's like, um, Daniel Goble taught me this term several years ago. God math makes no sense. Okay. None. Like, none whatsoever. So, I put my faith in the finished work of the Messiah, and God credits my account with righteousness. (laughs) What? (laughs) This is amazing. It's the greatest trade ever, right? Because what did I have to physically do? Does this require me to be strong and to show up to work every day and work hard and... No, it doesn't. It's just faith. And when Paul starts talking about this idea that you don't have to work and adhere to and live under all the rules and the regulations of the law, the Jewish believers' minds go, I don't think you're right on this. And who does he call as his first witness? Abraham, the most revered man in the entire Old Testament, is Paul's first witness for justification by faith. And at this point, the Jews have got to be thinking, wait, wait, what? Say that again. Remember, they're they're listening to somebody read a letter, and they hear the words, for what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. I can just watch their minds turning. Wait, wait, that was important? Like that was an important, yes, it's perhaps the most important line in all of Genesis because it is a clear, transparent view of what the gospel is in the Old Testament. Because we sometimes think, well, that God gave the law so that they could keep the law and uh, you could be saved by keeping the law. No, (laughs) you get saved by faith. The keeping of the law was the outward expression and evidence of a renewed life. Does Jesus give us a law to keep? Yeah, the law of love, right? You shall love one another. 
That is the outward expression of an inward changed life. That's the way this works. And some of you are going, Jim, this is really simple. I know, right? Verse 4. Now to the one who works. So he kind of transitions here to a mini example of somebody who's actually doing physical work for, for pay. To the one who works, his wages or his pay are not counted are not counted as a gift. This is literally the word grace, uh, caris. The guy that I, sorry, I'm going to have to do a little tangent here. The, this is a real rabbit trail. Um, the guy that I listen to for all my pronunciation of Greek words has a really, really deep voice. And he pronounces this word, caris. <clears throat> what does that remind anybody of? Yes. <laughs> Every time I hear him say the word grace, I think of Silence of the Lambs. And it's just, sorry, which is the exact opposite of grace, right? I mean, this is incredible. So now to the one who works, his wages are not grace. His wages are not things that are given. Sorry, I told you it was a rabbit trail, right? I I gave you, I even explicitly said it was a heads up, right? To the one who works, his pay is not grace. The paycheck you get for your job that you go to is the opposite of grace, right? That is works. We can all abundantly identify with works. I spend my time, I get money. That is not grace. Paul is calling this out, saying the thing that you're all used to, this is not grace. But his due, but his due, this is what he's owed. Now think about this for just a second. Pause here. If you're going to work your way to heaven, God owes you salvation. This is the natural, logical conclusion of that argument, right? I, I, look, I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to show him all the good works that I have done and I owe, I am owed this. I can't even say it without bowing out my chest. And like, Yeah, absolutely. No, 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 no. We are not owed this. We are not owed this. Yes, sir. Yes. Say that again louder for me. It has to be done perfectly. What has to be done perfectly? The keeping of the law. Yes, right? No failure. Right. So who's out? Everybody. I'm out. We're all out. Except for Jesus. <laughs> love it when there's an exception. I'm a mathematician, and mathematicians generally hate exceptions because exceptions break equations. Um, And that's a great exception. That's a great exception. So verse 5, and to the one who does not work but believes or has faith in him who justifies the ungodly. Who, Who justifies the ungodly? God does this. His faith is counted. What do you think the word is? Yep. His faith is counted as righteousness. So again, we have it here. So he's resumming up what he just said about Abraham. Just as verse 6, who? Like, hang on now. All right. He has just kicked them in the head with Abraham. Right? And now they are spinning and about to go down. And he's going to come in with another kick to the other side of the head with David. So not only is Abraham an actual living example of justification by faith. But now he's going to say David was writing about it. And he did. Psalm 32. It's beautiful. 
David also speaks of the blessing or the good fortune of the one to whom God counts. What do you think that word is? The Gidzimain. One counts righteousness apart or separately from work. So he's saying righteousness and works do not go together. You ever play with magnets when you're a kid? You ever play with magnets when you're an adult? I have, I have these tiny little magnets at my desk because I need something to fiddle with. Magnets, they have a side that attract and they have a side that repel. Faith goes with righteousness. Works don't not go with righteousness. You can shove them together all you want. And you know what you'll end up with? Sore hands from working at something that doesn't work. Because those two things don't go together. David writes about it. What does he write? Here's what he writes. Blessed, happy, fortunate, well off are those whose lawless deeds. These are people who violate the law. They're illegal. They are transgressors. They are unrighteous. Whose lawless deeds are forgiven. This word is to, to set aside, to be, to be gone, to, to be put away. Uh, and the mental image I get from looking at this word is the, the father speaking to this sin and saying, Go. So where did the sins go? Where, do our, where did our sins go? There's a question there in your notes. This is really important that we understand this. <laughs> on Jesus, yes. Our sins went on Christ. They were poured out completely on Him. So if our sins were poured out completely on Christ, do they come back to us? No. No, they don't. This is awesome. Jesus took it. And, it. and it killed him. But Jesus took those sins. So what do we get? We get to be forgiven. And, and we get to be what? Go back to the beginning of verse 7. What's another word for blessed? Happy. <laughs> Happiness gets a bad rap in the church. We get to be happy because we are forgiven. Yes, this is really good. We get to be happy because, they are, because we are forgiven. This is awesome. So, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. And, <laughs> where's Sean? Oh, he's not. But wait, there's more. Whose sins or offenses are covered. Do you remember back in chapter 1 what the unrighteous wanted to do with the truth? They wanted to cover, they wanted to suppress and this is what my God does. He takes us who wanted to suppress and cover the truth. And he takes our sins and he covers them. He says, let me show you what covering is really about. Don't cover the truth. I'll cover your sins. It's just <laughs> the exchanges that Paul talks about here. What we used to do and how God turns that around and uses it to benefit us are just absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible. All right, verse 8. Blessed, again, we just can't get enough of this, can we? Happy is the man against whom the Lord will not count. Now, you can't see it in the English, but there's a double negative in the Greek there, which means in English, a double negative is like you've turned around and you're now positive again. In Greek, it's, it's more emphasis. It's like shouting almost. The Lord will not count his sin. What do you think the word is? Legizeme. He will not count it. 
So he's taking a reckoning of the faith and applying it towards righteousness. But when he looks at the sin, that doesn't get written down toward us. That doesn't get put in our account. He doesn't count that. That's my kind of accounting right there. I don't know how many of you work in the accounting field, but uh, you get fired if you did what God does. You, this, you would get fired. This would pass no auditor anywhere. Well, I'm going to count this, but I'm not going to count this over here. Well, tax season's coming up, and you're also going to go to jail if you do that on your taxes. So don't do that. This is not good. So verse 9, is this blessing, is this blessedness, then only for the circumcised? So who's the circumcised? In general, this is the Jews. Or is it also for the uncircumcised? Now, at this point, the, the listeners of this are getting real nervous because you're going, whoa, 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 whoa. The Gentiles are out. They're out. They're not included in this. For we say that faith was counted, the goods of mine, to Abraham as righteousness. So he's summing up again what he said before. How then was it counted, Legizomai, to him? Was it before or after he'd been circumcised? And we just looked back and answered this question a few minutes ago. It was not after, but it was before he was circumcised because Genesis 15 comes before Genesis 17, boys and girls. It's just pretty basic. The Jews would have picked up on this. He received or he took the sign or the token of circumcision as a seal, a stamp, a outward sign that can be seen of righteousness that he had by, by faith. Every time Paul gets a chance, he just slides by faith in there. While he was still uncircumcised, he just brings it, clone, brings it home. If you have not picked up on this yet... Abraham got righteousness credited to his account while he was still uncircumcised. So what are you going to do with that? And Paul doesn't let him off the hook. He keeps punching and punching and punching and punching so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. What do you think the word counted is? Legitimai. So that righteousness gets counted to who as well? Who? Say it louder. Say it louder. Gentiles. Us. This is us. <laughs> How many times has Paul said we're in? A bunch. Romans is awesome. <laughs> you do not have to be a Jew to go to heaven. This is wonderful. It's not about my ethnicity. Who would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk. In the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. The Gentiles are in. This is beautiful. So, repeated words, yes. Legitimai, right? How many times do you see it? There you go. Good. Righteousness shows up. Faith shows up. Circumcised shows up. Uncircumcised shows up. Belief shows up. Repeated topics. Grace, faith, works. How do these things work together? Um, one clarifying point, though, on this observation I want to make real quick. Our, uh, um, Paul does not say that Abraham was made righteous in all of his doings. So I want to make sure you understand this. But God accounted Abraham as righteousness. This is from Guzik. Our justification is not God making us perfectly righteous, but counting us as perfectly righteous, which is a different thing. If he made us purchase perfectly righteous, then we would be perfectly righteous right now and would not sin forevermore. That's not what we got. We actually got something better. Because if he just made us righteous, that doesn't deal with the past. 
He accounts righteousness to us, which handles what we're going to be judged on, which is everything. It is spectacularly beautiful. It's actually a much better deal than making us righteous, but it's a much better deal. All right, one more thing uh, to be aware of. Oh, application. I thought I had a couple of blanks. Application. What's the point? All right, here's your blank. If you don't write anything else down today, you got to write this one down. Justification is by faith. Good. All right, check. Winning. So what do we do with that? Well, stop working and believe the gospel. Because if you have not yet believed the gospel, your working is in vain. We need to start there. Now, if you have believed the gospel, get to work. <laughs> We've got work to do. But it's not work for your salvation. It's work for your sanctification. Uh, number two, what's the point? God's accounting is the only accounting that matters. So uh, as much as the big three or the big four or the big five uh, like to think, they are not nearly as important as God's accounting. Uh, so what do we do with that? Number two, stop keeping score and believe the gospel. Uh, there's a theme to the personalization today, you may have noticed. It's kind of important. Uh, and then application number three, what's the point? Order matters. First we have faith. Then we have righteousness. Credited to our account. And then there's evidence. Don't get the order mixed up. It's not evidence of a righteous life that produces righteousness that God accepts, and then we have faith. The order matters here. Faith, then righteousness, then evidence. So number three, stop displaying. Stop thinking that everything that I'm showing is going to get me to heaven and believe the gospel. There's a lot of believe the gospel here this week. This is what Jesus beat me up with this week, so I'm going to beat y'all up with it today. All right, so next week is the second half of Romans chapter 4, uh, verses 13 through 25, where we talk about who's your daddy. And uh, I think you'll like the answer. You'll like the answer quite a bit. Uh, so don't forget about that as well as our homework. Now, today, after the morning service, and we did not do this as an example of an uh, announcement, but it would have been a really good announcement. Uh, you see all those cartons over there? They have eggs in them. And we're going to take the eggs and put the candy in and do that after we eat. So please hang around and eat with us and do that. Now, on your weekly update is a red piece of text, Meals for Grant and Bree Fryer. Please, 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 we have got to get that, um, got to do a better job this week than we did last week on that. So please engage with that, sign up. Um, also, your prayer requests are listed there, so read over those, pray over those, make any changes or updates that are needed. Uh, pray as a table, and after you have prayed as a table, you are dismissed. And please, if you have not yet believed the gospel, believe the gospel. It will save, not our works. So, thanks for coming to Sunday School, guys.